We're so bad at this. I told you we're going to have to script it. We're not going to have to script it. Okay, we're you, doing you, really we just well. have to get better at this. We're doing really well. Okay, let's just be really chill. You this get, is also the kind of stuff that like people who listen to podcasts like. It's like hanging out with people. I know, but I don't like this stuff. <laughs> well, why are you making a podcast then? And I'm Mary Higgins, and this is Life of Bi. A slippery history of bisexuality. Season two! Woo! <laughs> if you didn't listen to season one, then stop right now. Oh my god, stop. You're making a mistake. For the uninitiated, we are best mates. Housemates. Creative partners. Ex-girlfriends. And most importantly, we're both bi. Mm. We made the first season of Life of Bi to tackle our deep bi shame triggered by getting into long-term relationships with men. And it worked. Shame gone. Poof. Completely cured. No, of course not. Sadly, the world we all live on is quite literally riddled with binaries. Absolutely crawling. And we are still not immune to feeling like we just don't belong. Or that we're cheating on our queerness. Or that we're too privileged to be queer. Or that maybe it's like ridiculous to shape your whole worldview on who you sleep with, like mm. particularly when currently you're a cis woman sleeping with a cis man and like what's so gay about that? So what does bisexuality mean to us beyond the bedroom? But also what does it mean? in the bedroom because we are sex obsessed oh yeah there'll be lads of sex talk like what is queer sex what does that look like can you queer sex by being queer and if so is queerness something i like hold in my body or is it like floating around for anyone to breathe in so series one was a potted history a heavily edited lovingly carved closed series but season two is very much not going to be that we aren't going to do lots of the detailed interviews that we did Lots we might of- do interviews, though. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do lots of historical digging. But we might do some history. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's what you were trying to do there. <laughs> no? Well, it can be a bit now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep chirping in with. <laughs> we're not going to have researchers. But we're going to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything else. <laughs> you're only stating the negatives. And I'm following it all up. Yeah, you're, you're, saying, you're, you're making it sound like we're not going to do a podcast at all. <laughs> no content, zero, zero opinions. We're doing an <clears throat> avant garde podcast where nothing happens. happens. The truth is, season one, it just didn't live up to its name. It wasn't that slippery. Oh my god, you're right. I know. It wasn't that slippy. We edited the slip right out of that bitch. <laughs> but there was nuance. Yeah, but there wasn't that much actual live confusion or mm. mistakes, were there? No, season two will be full of confusion and mistakes. Yeah, because in some ways, we know as little as you do about where season two is going to take <laughs> us, because we are going to be making the episodes month by month as we plod along in our little bi lives. <laughs> so welcome to Life of Bi series two. A genuinely slippery podcast. The theme of our very first episode is... 
Soft launch. Because this is a soft launch of sorts. It absolutely is, Mary. We're dipping our toe into a different format. Mm. How will it go? We're also going to be looking at soft launches on Instagram. And soft launches in rocket science. And we'll come across a couple of bicons on the way. But first, what does it even mean? I didn't actually know what a soft launch was until you mentioned it to me. Yeah. So I had to Google it. What did you find? As my as is my response to most things, like the grandma <laughs> that I am. It took me to TikTok, apparently TikToks to find it, and there's this um bisexual bisexual TikToker called at Zodiac Bi, and this is what she says. Okay, fine. As requested, I'll tell you what a soft launch of a relationship is. For the girl, she will post a picture of him at a restaurant. His face will not be in it. She will tag the restaurant, but not tag him. For the guys, it will only be a photo of himself, and he would tag her as the photographer, either in the description or the photo. Photo. That, that, that last one was photo. <laughs> so it's very binary. Yes, very. I'm very straight, I thought, kind of. Maybe not. The first time I saw Soft Launch mm-hmm. was in an Instagram caption of a guy, I shagged, of course, where he was soft launching his uh, girlfriend. <laughs> Um, Wait, which he I was actually soft launch. Yeah, he captioned well, it. That's soft not launch. soft, then, is it? Exactly. He was really playing with the form, but I think he was just being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. Li- he isn't listening. Um, he had posted like photos of clearly he was on holiday, mm-hmm. and then the final image was like a, a tanned, skinny leg, <laughs> hairless. <laughs> Utterly hairless. Oh, well, can you blame him? <laughs> How can you blame him? <laughs> can you blame him? I've done it. I put my hands up. Mm-hmm. I have done it. How did you do it? I mean, I'm sure that on my Instagram story when I first started going out with he who must Ex. not be named. <laughs> no, he is my boyfriend. <laughs> but I just, for Such some reason, partner. I didn't want to say his name. Is that weird? No, no, you should do I mean, you well, said it on series one. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit late to protect identity now. Um, maybe we should come up with code names for our partners. But we said them on season one. Now. <laughs> I mean, really, we should have thought about this before. We can't be oh like. Oh. I'm going to call mine A. So what's funny about this is, is you, you hard launched him in season one, <laughs> and now you're trying to backtrack and be like, yes. <laughs> you know I'm talking about. I take it you back. Take it- <laughs> I'm going from hard launch to What's that even song. called? What's that even called? Um, regression. <laughs> Regret. <laughs> What makes us think our lives are interesting enough to act as if people are watching our relationship statuses develop, like, with bated breath? But the interesting thing about bisexuality and soft launches is that there is a little bit more mystery to it. Because, like... Stress involved. Yeah, you don't know who I'm going to reveal. Yeah. You have no... You, you know. Oh, yeah, wow. Will it be... You're so uh, right. There's an extra little layer of, like... Ooh. Yeah, what gender? Will it be a man? Will it be a non-binary person? Mm-hmm. Will it be a woman? Um, Would it be a much older woman? <laughs> Would it be a much younger man? <laughs> As is my one. <laughs> but it is slightly different. It turns out that a soft launch is actually a rocket term. In the rocket world... Uh, a soft launch is a missile or rocket that is expelled via gas. 
As opposed to... Via fire. Via fire. (laughs) Incredible. I know. But it's actually used less often because it is much more dangerous. And it creates a huge fiery inferno Mm. known as the backblast area. Well, I feel like so many of uh, man's humanity's inventions are later discovered to be highly dangerous, highly wasteful, and have a massive backblast area. Yes, exactly. Environmentally, ecologically. I feel like the first thing we opt for is always the most destructive. <laughs> and then we have to, like, work it backwards. I don't know if a soft Like, launching... think about coal. Yeah, but I don't know if propelling a rocket via gas is, like, Any much better. better. You're still releasing masses of gas into the atmosphere, and you're just exploding it later on, like... You still right. explode. But less people presumably burn. Yes, I mean, yeah, that is one thing. Less death. Okay, so it's been adopted by restaurants and now couples because the vibe is that a hard launch would be destructive. Yeah, the vibe is that a soft launch is safer. So what would it destroy? Because the backblast area analogy suggests that by launching the relationship too hard on social media, the backblast area is the relationship. Because you're the launch pad, right? Uh, yeah, and you don't want to so get burned. So it's like you would burn you and the other person. If you don't like the heat, get out of the, get out of the rocket lab. It is the friend of the commitment phobe, the yes. soft launch. And it's a way of dealing with commitment phobes. Yeah. By which I mean fuckboys. Of all genders, anyone can be a fuckboy. Fuck, anyone can be a fuckboy. I've been a fuckboy. I've been a fuckboy. We've all been a fuckboy. It's part of life. If you haven't been a fuckboy, you haven't lived. <laughs> okay, well... Speaking of fuckboys... Yes. Uh, well done. What a segue. I have also... My research also went down a very literal route. And I have gone... I have found a bisexual rocket scientist. A bisexual rocket scientist. I know. His name was Jack Parsons. Good evening, I'm D.I. Binks. And I'm D.I. Bonks. It's 1914 and we're on our way to the crime scene of a most suspicious death. The victim, a man named Jack Parsons. Prominent rocket scientist, chemist and occultist. And a suspected bisexual, according to the FBI. Are we the FBI? No, we're anachronistic. The bisexual in question was found half-dead this afternoon at his home in Pasadena. He was due to leave for Mexico tomorrow to discuss making explosives for the Mexican government. Suspicious. He was already making explosives for the Israeli government. Very suspicious. And on the afternoon in question, the bisexual in question received a huge order from Hollywood for a bunch of explosives for a film. Oh, I didn't know he worked for films. He had to. He got fired from his original rocket job because of hazardous workplace <laughs> conduct. <laughs> yeah, I'll try again. He had to. He got fired from his original rocket job because of hazardous workplace conduct. He was clumsy with chemicals? He was clumsy with women. My God. Well, it all makes sense when you understand his religion. He was part of the Thelemite occultist movement run by world-famous evil dude and magician Alistair Crowley. Wait a second, I know that guy. 
Isn't he the guy that said he supported Hitler? The very same. And he's bi as well. Dang and blast. Anyway, they practice their religion. Uh, can you call something a religion if you're worshipping Satan? I don't know, but we're nearly at the crime scene. We're here to investigate the cause of death. Some people suspect suicide, others murder. But one thing's for sure, he's definitely dead. Holy shit. Jesus Christ. My God, the house is gone. The only thing left standing was that door we just walked through. When the emergency services arrived, they did report that he was missing an arm, a leg, and most of his face. What happened? Cause of death? Explosion. The explosives from the film? The very same, Bonks. Imagine. One minute you're loving life making explosives for a Hollywood film in your home laboratory in L.A., and the next, boom! It's a working-from-home tragedy. Or is it a crime? Parsons was not a popular man. I thought he was popular with the ladies and gents. No bonks. He was a very, very sexy, unpopular man. He had enemies? Many. His ex-wife, who he divorced after sleeping with her sister. Slander! Anti-Zionist because of his work for the Israeli government. Free Palestine. And also a man called Howard Hughes. I don't know, apparently Parsons stole some of his aircraft company documents or something. We've all been there. On top of that, he was heavily embroiled in satanic sex magic, which isn't exactly everybody's cup of joe. You think God killed him? Box, I'm not sure there is a God. My God. That's Binks and Bonks, they'll be returning characters. <laughs> and that is the true story of Jack Parsons. He was genuinely a rocket scientist who like got into it through like an amateur love of sci-fi, ended up working for really prestigious like rocket science companies, and then he's got a fucking he's got a fucking crater named after him on the moon. I know, that is the maddest thing yeah. about this. It's crazy because I think one of the th- reasons season one was so exciting was because i was really excited to find by role models Mm -hmm. and like people from history that you're really proud to call (laughs) queer and then i thought oh a bisexual rocket scientist that's great and then we found out more about him and i i could feel my wheels (laughs) slowing down i was like oh there are there are bad bisexual people too oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) there are imperfect and highly flawed bisexual people is he a bi role model? Um, I would like to have met him. Mm. I think basically there's nothing wrong with sex magic. What is sex magic? Oh, so basically this, um, like the Thelemite occultist movement is all about uh, sort of like a libertine philosophy. Thelema yeah. means sort of like to will, to want. So it's basically like you should have whatever you want. It's like, like hedonism. Yes, kind of, but like within a structure, within a sort of like religious structure. Yeah. And that's what Crowley, this guy Crowley made. And it's also where um, L. Ron Hubbard was on that scene, the founder of Scientology. And what is Scientology? Good question. We address the being or the spirit or the soul, whatever you wish to say the person is. And we raise or help that person to raise their level of awareness spiritually. So it's, uh... it's similar. It's a sort of 
the beginning of a lot, lots like tributary streams of weirdness came from this movement and from this specific guy, Crowley. And then sort of Jack Parsons was made the leader of this like California branch of the Thelemite occultist movement. So he was like pretty prominent. Right. But the way that they practiced it was through sex. The vibe was that you would sort of connect with yourself or with a higher power through sex. And they had this like figure of the Scarlet Woman. And what does the Scarlet Woman do? She's like the medium of your sexual slash religious discovery i see like like a conduit for yeah they believed it to be very very powerful uh-huh. as in like without her you wouldn't reach this point and it's the seductiveness and i guess the sexual power of her that in, that releases it in you but that's very heteronormative it's funny because obviously on his fbi file it says suspected bisexual yeah, like it, i it, love it, that it's amazing <laughs> that that turns up in his fbi file but um i wonder what the proof of that was because you mentioned the fact that there were sort of these tears of yes of of sexual discovery yeah yeah so there are like they're called like degrees so like all cults there's like an initiation stage mm-hmm. um and that was sort of masturbation They've all got numbers, these degrees. And then higher up when you're like more practiced or whatever. I think it's like kind of like training to be a yoga teacher, but in sex. And then there's, um, then it's vaginal intercourse. Right. And then the last one's anal. So anal is like the top tier in this. Yeah. It doesn't specify cult. who's anus though. So I guess there's part of me that wants to believe that this uh, sex cult was like super progressive and uh, free loving and bisexual but there's actually still a lot of patriarchal and heteronormative structures that exist also in everything that i was reading the scarlet woman is a cis woman and the the guy trying is and like the person trying to reach satanic levels of glory is a cis (laughs) Um, man (laughs) but only cis men can reach satanic levels of they are closer satan yeah (laughs) they have less far to go (laughs) but do i think he's a role model or like probably not else (laughs) but i think i do have well no i can't say that can you no i can say that i do have respect for someone who lives such a varied and intense life Mm. like i am fascinated by someone who believe so much in what they want that they would be an amateur rocket scientist and go and try and get a job as a rocket engineer without having had higher education like he dropped out of harvard because of the depression and i do have respect for someone who's like or i mean i think i believe that sex is magic or like can give you Mm. not like wands and that sort of magic but like it is a way that to transform yeah and so I think on that level, I'm interested. Slash, I would like to go. I would go to a satanic sex ritual. Oh my God, yeah. I'd go. I'd definitely go. Sign me up. Support for this podcast comes from our Patreon. If you like Life of Bi, then please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash life of Bi. We're just looking for the price of a pint or a cup of coffee a month. By becoming a patron, you're putting money behind the work that you like and helping us to continue making it. 
We consider our patrons our collaborators, so if you support us for any amount, you can also write in to suggest topics for us to cover. And if we decide to research your topic, we'll dedicate the episode to you. Thank you. We couldn't do this without you. Thematically, I just had the song Rocket Man stuck in my head while mm-hmm. we were researching for yeah. this podcast. Um, and then I realised that Elton John is kind of the perfect person to talk about soft and hard launches of sexuality. Because he's famous by. Well, yes. Well, so in his 20s, before he was like well known, uh-huh. he was engaged to a woman. Mm-hmm. But then it like he called it off because, you know, he became a fucking megastar. Yeah. So then there was lots of speculation about his sexuality because he was a very flamboyant man. You know, you've seen him wearing yeah, big glasses. I've seen the film. Incredible sleeves, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in a Rolling Stone interview in 1976, he actually came out as bisexual and he hadn't planned to come out. Um, but I've just got a little bit to read from the interview. Oh, great. Because I found it quite interesting. He said, I don't know what I want to be exactly. I'm just going through a stage where any sign of affection would be welcome on a sexual level. I'd rather fall in love with a woman eventually, because I think a woman probably lasts much longer than a man. But I really, <laughs> <In bed>. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but I really don't know. I've never talked about this before. Ha <laughs> ha. But I'm not going to turn off the tape. Sorry, did the transcript say ha-ha? Yes, yes. Like a text? Yes. He In said, a newspaper? Ha-ha. Exactly. But I think there's a probably bigger headline here, Mary. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was really interesting. Well, firstly, there's a couple of um, slightly frustrating things about that statement. Because he says, I don't know what I want to be. I'm going through a stage. Although it may be true... It's a bi-stereotype. It's a bi-stereotype, absolutely. It's annoying because even though totally fine if that's how he feels, it's just a shame because he's like one of the few prominent bisexuals and that's what he's on record saying. Yeah, but then 10 years after that, 10 years of like quite a lot of speculation about who he was, he married Renata Blowell, his recording engineer. Elton John arrived at the church some 20 minutes early wearing his customary boater, even today. It announced his engagement on Friday, and under New, New South Wales laws, would normally have had to wait a month before the wedding. But the authorities decided he and his bride, Renata, who's 30, were mature, responsible persons who could be allowed to marry straight away. And that, that caused even more speculation about his supposed, you know, they called it a cover-up from, uh, of his homosexuality, because he proposed to her four days before they got married. Wow. So people said that he was doing it to protect his his work, he was doing it to keep the paparazzi at bay. And then, after their divorce, two years later, he did another interview with Rolling Stone, and he came out as gay. So for him, bisexual was... A phase. A, uh, like, yeah, it was a transitory phase, and it was a kind of protective thing. So for Elton John, bisexuality was a soft launch into queerness or admitting he was gay. Mm-hmm. So to what extent will bisexuality always be seen as a soft launch? Well, I think for as long as we think that 
for as long as like binaries thrive Mm -hmm. and we think of almost like straight and gay are like two different lighthouses and there's loads of sea in between as long as you're in the sea in between you can't hard launch there because no one believes that you've actually arrived i think i hard launched i hard launched lesbianism and i never really launched bisexuality ever until we made season one of this podcast Mm. I wasn't, I didn't call myself bi up to the point of making the podcast, called myself queer. So, sorry, describe describe your hard launch into lesbianism then. Well, I hard launched into lesbianism when I was like 21 by cutting my hair off, saying I was gay, but I was still sleeping with men. That's either a lie or a, I mean, it's a lie. But it's a lie to myself as well, because I didn't want to be bi, or bi didn't seem like a legitimate identity. So you almost had the opposite experience to Elton John, because you really, really wanted to just be a lesbian. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that would be easier, and also I thought I would have more connection to the community than if I was bi, Hmm. and that that would hold me back, that I was not only that I desired men, but that I was desirable to them, which was part of the reason for cutting the hair. Right. Because I didn't want to be desirable to men. But I think that was partly to manage the fact that I was still desired them. So I thought, okay, better put them off. Yeah. I didn't know you that well then. Were you were you keeping the men you slept with a secret? I mean, open secrets. I didn't keep anything that secret. But mm. I wasn't aligning them with my identity. I kept like I would kept like negating the fact that that thing had happened. Yeah. And also the sex I was having with men at that time was sort of carnivorous and sort of like consuming because I'd just come out of like a sort of traumatic thing with a guy. So I was also experiencing that quite common phenomena of like the sex you have after a complicated thing Uh being almost to work through it and about, about building up a sense of your ego again by fucking people that you don't really care about and feeling like you can still keep control of that person. Yeah. And I was doing that with men, and I was allowing soft feelings for women. So my queerness was also, like, so much about, like, when it happened to me. And I don't know if I would have had that experience or that realisation had I not come out of something. Like, queerness and women was, like, the shining, angelic other option having felt beaten down by the men that I'd been sleeping with. This was, like, the beautiful version. And I was like, I can be a more beautiful version of myself through this. And so I wanted to cut it off in the same that I wanted to, like, get rid of that history or, like, Mm. get over him or it. So it was part of that transition. So, like, you hard-launched into lesbianism and you wanted a backblast area. You wanted to destroy. Yeah, what I remember. Was I left you. the I left the salon where I'd gotten my yeah hair cut off, and I remember bumping into a guy that was always a bit like greasy with me, mm. and he looked quite like taken aback by my hair. Yeah, and like he didn't like it. And I remember him being like, "Yes, yeah," as in like I've instantly achieved what I wanted, which You're is gone. he looks less. He looks like I. He his face says I've made a bad decision, and there was like a sort of. <laughs> punky thrill to being like fuck yeah i don't want to be attractive to you anyway yeah what about your bisexuality 
I think I had the world's longest soft launch. Mm. How long? Um, eight years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think it's amazing that you knew, though. Well, I guess it was very simple at the same time as being very complicated because I think I knew I liked girls from like the age of 12, like 13. I remember having sleepovers with girls and being like, yep. That's for me. But at the same time, I was going through all the, quote, expected things with boys, like holding hands with a boy and like kissing a boy and also enjoying those things. And so I don't think there was ever any point in my life where I was like, I am one thing and I want to shed the other. Mm. Um, So hearing you talk about that is really interesting because I think I always I always knew it was I was about to say. I always knew it was both. And of course, I was conceptualizing of it at that age as two, two, yeah, which I no longer do do. Yeah. And I guess the difficult thing, me and Elton were very much on the same page because I had the opposite reaction to you. I was scared of uh, accepting my queerness because it seemed so easy not to because I'd gone through like Mm. by the time we got together I'd gone through 20 years of my life (laughs) what I think I said 20 men no I mean probably more (laughs) I, I and also I started having sex when I was 15 and so it was very easy and simple to me to have sex with men because that was the way it was that Mm. was the way I was socialized Mm. and it you know for 20 years I didn't need to face up to that other part of me because it wasn't like a burning need to address that side of me until I met you wow (laughs) I even find that level of consciousness impressive because I have so many visceral memories of like watching a friend of mine doing something and like the line of their body or their face. Yeah. As in lots of my memories of like girls school are basically gazing at the people around me. Yeah. But I didn't put any weight on that stuff. I'd like to ask you a question. Yeah. Which is, would you have soft launched your partner if he was not a man? No, I think I probably would have hard launched. Yeah. So there's shame as well. Yeah, I mean, if I was talking to my queer friends about being with a new partner, if it was a woman or a non-binary person, I'd be like, I'm seeing this really amazing person. Oh my God, can't wait for you to meet them. Whereas when I got together with a cis man, I wasn't like running to my queer friends. No. Who are basically my only friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, all your friends. Yeah, all my friends are queer. I wasn't running to people to be like, ah, I went on an amazing date. I was like, you know, if they asked, I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah. And he's amazing. Mm. It's like a constant soft launch, isn't it? When I was mentioning my male partner, I felt like I was testing the waters, dipping the toe in because I was... I was afraid of being excommunicated from the lesbian community. Yeah, I was afraid that the backblast area would be that I would lose queer creds, queer friends. It wasn't even about credentials. It was like you would invite suspicion. Yeah, would I be allowed? I mean, of course. Or you I mean, confirm a suspicion is the other thing, right? Which is you confirm the 
um, ever-present bisexual suspicion of um, cis women, which is that you're going to revert back to heteronorm. Yeah, we, you and I had a really weird conversation with someone who won't be named. I don't know what And it be. was a cis gay man, and we had only just met him, and he said, oh, I heard you're not gay anymore. Oh my God. I remember this. It was fucking appalling, actually. It was awful, and I felt, I like felt my blood run cold yeah and this wasn't even when we had boyfriends this was when we we, were sleeping we were sleeping with anyone (laughs) yeah awful i really think he thought he was being funny but it was cruel or just judged for who you love is like awful or like that your um that your place in this community is based on your partner by partner identity is in like Mm. you cannot have an identity outside of how your partner identifies the thing that upsets me about that is there's an erasure of self Mm. it's like what i am doesn't matter to you yeah i only matter yeah because of who i sleep with yeah and it makes you feel like you've disappeared yeah makes you feel that that community doesn't actually care about you at all it only cares about who you shag if i'm in a straight space i hard launch my queerness and if i'm in a queer space i soft launch the gender of my partner you are absolutely right that's what i do you hard remind people that you're gay in a straight space because people are assuming that you are a straight because that's life and you want to be like no don't fucking read me wrong i'm not that so what do you do to hard launch it? I mention you being my ex-girlfriend most of the time. <laughs> do you give you give Eros a they pronoun when you're speaking about him in a queer space? I will say my partner. I have, yeah, I have used the they pronoun, yeah. Really? Because I think just don't judge me. Don't fucking judge me. You don't know me well enough But yet. you're judging yourself then. No, I'm protecting myself from the judgment of others. Okay. I know who I am. Yeah. I don't want to be judged on my partner within the first few minutes of meeting someone. Yeah. And I don't want them to think, oh, well, she's not really queer. Yeah. Because I think you don't fucking know me. So I'm not going to, I'm not even going to give you the ammo to make that yeah. assumption. And I don't want you saying, I've got a fucking boyfriend when you turn around to someone else. I just don't like it. Yeah. Because it's gendered. Fair. I need a snack. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> goodbye. And I 
I think it's gonna be a long, long time Till touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home Oh no, no, no I'm a rocket man Rocket man Learning out his views out here alone Rocket man Burning out his views out here alone And I think it's gonna be a long, long time And I think it's gonna be a long, long time I think it's gonna be a long, long time And I think it's gonna be a long, long time And I think it's gonna be a long, long time And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Support for this podcast comes from our Patreon. If you like Life of Bi, then please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash life of Bi. We're just looking for the price of a pint or a cup of coffee a month. By becoming a patron, you're putting money behind the work that you like and helping us to continue making it. We consider our patrons our collaborators, so if you support us for any amount, you can also write in to suggest topics for us to cover. And if we decide to research your topic, we'll dedicate the episode to you. Thank you. We couldn't do this without you. Thanks for tuning in to Life of Bi. We'll be back in a month, give or take. In the meantime, Life of Bi was made... Hosted and edited by us, Mary Higgins and Elle Potter. Music, sound design and production by Tom Foskett Barnes. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash life of bye.